listening to First Church Charlotte. People have out in their lawn, yellow background, kind of a cursive. It says, Thank you, Jesus. And I want to shout, Amen. We woke up this morning, folks. He started us on our way. I'm happy about that. Only had one night in my life when I. Wasn't sure I was going to wake up. That's all you need to always be thankful that you woke up. I'm sure that's happened to some other folks here. I won't tell you that story, but I'd like to. But I got a more important message for you today. Philippians 3.13 is our text, and uh, verses 13 and 14, keep Pastor Nathan Elms in prayer until he gets through this, uh, whatever it is, but he was extremely sick last night, or he'd be here today, because he many times preaches when he's half sick or more, but uh, some things just kind of throw you around, you know, that you pick up, <laughs> they tell you uh, how it's going to be, so you, you got to kind of take care of yourself. Thank you, Lord, for touching the pastor today. Strengthen him, Lord. We come against this affliction in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By your stripes, he is healed, and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I grew up in a beautiful part of San Diego, California, right down on the border with Tijuana, Mexico, and uh, went down there a lot of times as teenagers, but it was a different country then. At least those border towns were much more uh, easy to get across and, and safe if you were there in the daytime. So, but. Uh, we lived up on a hill. Uh, our elevation was probably about 250 feet above all the land that was between us and the ocean. So we could look over uh, all of Mission Bay, which was the man-made bay, and they, they're continuing to make more beaches on that area. All the way across that bay, most of Pacific Beach, a little suburb, and all the way to the Pacific Ocean, and we could see the little Coronado Islands that were out, just just rocks out there. The Navy loved to bomb them and uh, practice on them, hitting the target, and uh, we could see all that. And I had the privilege for three years of delivering papers, getting up at 5 in the morning, folding them all, about 150 papers, and hitting the road on my bike. Real hilly area. Just had to get off and push up some of those hills. But uh, as the sun come on up, what a, what a view of God's beautiful countryside and oceanside. And... Uh, I was uh, about 11 years old. <clears throat> we were, me and two buddies were walking home from school. And for some reason, we were just 
you know, doing what 11-year-olds do, cutting up, being funny, probably making funny faces and that kind of silliness. You only get to do when you're old if you got grandkids. <laughs> so bring on those grandkids, you youngins. <laughs> I better get back to preaching, hadn't I? The Lord blessed us with eight grandchildren and two great-grandsons. Wow, you got to start early to get all that. <laughs> and uh, Sister Elms and I did. But that was a whole different day. We were 19 when we got married. We had met at 14, and she was beautiful then, and... By the time she's 19, look out. <laughs> Said, I'm going to marry that girl. And at 14, she saw the back of my head and told her sister, I'm going to marry that boy. She didn't know. I didn't know I had a prophetess on my hand. But uh, we lived 100 miles apart, and that was good. <laughs> we wrote letters. Cost five cents to mail a letter back in those days. Maybe it was three cents. It was pretty low. But uh, we were walking along, and the last part of our journey is on right where a railroad track. The interstate's right there, the bottom of the hill we lived on, and a railroad track. And we uh, just cutting up, as 11-year-olds will do, walking along, and all of a sudden, we felt the ground underneath our feet shake, and we turned and looked back, and about 50, 60 yards away from us, a train was boring down on us at 50 to 60 miles an hour. We jumped. All of us went off the right side of the track, and we were right in the middle of the rails. And by the time we got our balance on the rocks, just off the track, that train was going by. And kind of shook me up for the next six months. I couldn't get it out of my mind. We knew we weren't supposed to be there. We had heard our parents say all the things parents say. We were just goofing off, wasn't thinking much about it. And for months, every time I remembered that moment, I shivered. I cringed on his side. I, what would be called now a panic attack, that was trying to get a hold of me. We didn't know what they were back then. But uh, I imagine the Headlines of the newspaper the next day. Three boys died on the railroad tracks yesterday. And for months that went on. And I tried not to think about it. But it would somehow break through it. I realized I come within a hair's breadth of dying. And my friends also but about six, six months later, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit baptism. I spoke in that heavenly language, and I've never been the same since that day. And the Lord gave me peace in my heart, and I was able to forget what was behind I hardly ever think about it. I, I have to remember, try to remember it now, but I hardly ever thought, thought about it ever since his spirit came into me. And the greatest gift you or I will ever receive is the gift of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of God actually comes and abides in your human spirit, in your body. And... He becomes a close friend. He's always going to be the creator of the universe, the mighty God. 
the everlasting one. But he really does want to be your friend. Brother Pugh used to tell us when he would come and visit us, preach for us here. He said, I, I tell my wife, Bessie, that I like to have coffee with Jesus. And she always gets on to me. You're, you're being a little sacrilegious there, Brother Pugh. Saying you're going to have coffee with Jesus. And Brother Pugh said, the Lord likes it. He had that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ. He was a friend. Not just the mighty God. Not just the judge of all the earth. Not just the one who said, let there be light. And there was. But a friend. That sticks closer than a brother. But that was a memory I couldn't break loose from by myself. But the peace of God came into my heart and my mind and my soul. And I found the peace that passes all human understanding. It just kind of sweeps over you like a warm breeze on a chilly day or a cold breeze on a hot day feels so good for that little bit of refreshment. Maybe there's someone here today that you've been haunted for years by some memories of mistakes made in our youth. We could all have them. Of bad decisions made in our young adulthood. Some may fight terrorizing memories of molestation or abuse. Some attitudes, attitudes we took on that separated us from our family, friends, and the modern society will call it confident attitude. You choose to just have a, a sharp edge on you. Sharp words come quickly to your mouth. And... You don't care. You don't give a care what people think. Well, that doesn't sound like the Lord, does it? Doesn't sound like scriptural teaching. We were called upon, first of all, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. It's where the golden rule comes from. Do unto others. You know, some live by the rule, do unto others before they do unto you. <laughs> but that's not, that's not in the book. Not the right book. That's the looking out for number one book. <laughs> but uh, with the help of God, we can learn to love everybody. Someone asked, who's your neighbor? Ask the Lord Jesus that question. And he made it very clear. It's not, it's not your close friend neighbor. It's not your waving neighbor. It's a stranger, a total stranger. If you happen to come across something that needs the help of some human hands, that you would do your best to save, to help, to quicken and, and make the situation better, however you could help. Because Jesus told them the story of the Good Samaritan who he didn't know the stranger that had been robbed and beaten and thrown by the wayside, but he saw another human person in trouble, in need, and he rescued the man and took care of him. It cost him something to donate that time and put him up in some kind of a place where he could be watched after for a few days. And he'd pay for that even. But it was your neighbor is whoever you can actually touch, reach out to, and strengthen and help. It's not just your friends. It could be a total stranger. 
What still can wake you up in the middle of the night? I'm talking about memories that have affected you and you need deliverance from. It's wonderful to be a salesperson in a business where you don't have to drop in a number of little fibs all along the way. And I have a witness. If you have a, if you have a career like that, I, I would uh, beseech you to seek for a place where you can tell the truth every day and no one has to be fooled for you to make the sale because those things do have a way of coming back and biting us somewhere along the line. But it's a joy to love people. Red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in his sight. Let me assure you that Jesus is and always will be the Prince of Peace. He's the one that will bring you peace. He's the one that will give you peace if you're right now even troubled by something that happened to you as a child. As an adult, as an older person, as a parent. Sometimes children cop an attitude that separates them, boys, girls from their mother. One time my older brother talked back to my mom. He was three years old, my, my elder. I was probably, I don't know, 10 or 11. That means he's 13, 14. And he, she told us to do something. And he bucked her, he says, no, no, Ma. Well, when my mother heard Ma, whoo, we had a steep driveway. And she come running down that driveway with her hands like this. And she was preaching all the way to him. I changed a thousand of your diapers, young man. I've been up with you all night when you were sick. I've cooked meals for you by the hundreds. Da 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 da. Boy, she she didn't she didn't need a, a set of notes. It just flowed out of her. And I said to myself, self, don't you ever do something stupid like that. So thank you, Royce. You really helped me in my youth. <laughs> now we're gonna have a prayer meeting here in a little while. This altar area, it's always good to have an altar in your life. Everywhere you go, at home, you can have an altar in your car. You can have an altar right here with others that want an altar in their life too. And uh, just prepare yourself to talk to the Lord a little bit. Let him lead you to peace in your mind and the heart. Saul of Tarsus had a lot of things he needed to forget. He had a lot of regrets after he became a Christian. Satan would have liked for him to feel horrible about his regrets. And no doubt in the process of him learning how to do the will of God, how to be a Christian, how to follow the example, footsteps of Jesus, how to get his attitude squared away, his head on straight. In that process, uh, Satan, no doubt, troubled his mind with remembrances. You're not worthy to be among those people. You need to go off in a corner somewhere and just try to brighten that corner a little bit. And uh, forget about these urges you have within you. And Satan would have loved for him to be so guilty, feel so unworthy that he would he'd just try to hold on and follow Jesus. But he, he felt other stirrings in his heart. He was an educated man. He was a brilliant man. 
He just had the wrong message. But thank God the Lord shone a light into his life, turned him around, and turned him to the opposite direction he was going, to where he became one of the greatest preachers of all time in that first century. But Satan would have loved to just keep him feeling down and out. You're not worthy to write one verse of anything that the church would think was great. But somehow, Saul of Tarsus turned into Paul, the apostle. And he opened himself to the working of the Spirit of God in his life. And he wrote Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians and Galatians. And no doubt the devil discouraged him. The devil put him in jail. Well, he always said for his friends to bring him his, his scrolls, to bring him some paper, give him something to write on. He had something to say. And he kept on writing. And God gave him peace. God gave him mercy. God forgave him of all of those wicked things he did against the Christians. He wrote Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus and Philemon, and probably Hebrews. And Satan, all the time, trying to get another jab into you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Who are you? Who do you think you are? Even the early church had trouble trusting him. No doubt he felt animosity in someone's eyes that looked at him and in their thoughts are saying, I remember what you did to my mama. You put her in jail. You beat my father. They weren't about to give any forgiveness. But somehow God strengthened him and he kept on writing, kept on doing the will of God and gave us so much wisdom in the New Testament about this Christian walk. God gave him peace. God helped him to forgive himself. How many have touched that peace in your life? I think we ought to take a praise break here for a moment. Thank God for the peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for taking that guiltiness, that shame, those regrets, oh God, and giving us peace through it all. The Bible shares stories of many men and women who overcame their regrets, became mighty through the power and grace of God. Abraham pulled some slick stuff. He had a beautiful wife. Her name was Sarah. Because he was afraid, they had to go down to Egypt for a while and he knew that kings thought they had free access to, you know, they, they married different people. I mean, you know, different women. And uh, thought it was just fine. In his heart of fear, he said, she's going to see Sarah and want to have her as one of his wives. And that was common in that day. And he said, she's my sister. He was protecting him because they figure if the king wandered bad enough, he could be eliminated. And I'm just saying, Abraham, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, we're sons of Abraham, daughters of Abraham, by faith. Because Abraham did get straightened out as time went along. But he didn't start that way. Jacob was a deceiver. But his name was changed to Israel. For with God, you have power with God and man. Moses lost his temper. And uh, God told him to speak to the rock. They needed some water. And Moses was so fed up with the children of Israel, if you've been in leadership, it's amazing how you can get fed up with what's going on under your, your administration, you know? You try to crack the whip a little bit and 
people get their feelings hurt, someone else misunderstands, and if you're not careful before you know it, you got an exodus going on because you're not the only game in town, you know? And uh, Moses was told to speak to the rock, but he had been used to hitting things, apparently. He grabbed his wooden staff and hit that rock. But that rock represented Christ, and Jesus was going to be crucified once for all time. Never again will he be slapped. Never again will they punch him. Never again will they blindfold him and laugh at him and hit him and torment him and say, guess who hit you that time, Jesus? Those Roman soldiers were trained in terrible torture. And Jesus took it all. Took it all because he loves you and he loved me. David since my name's David, I felt David's shame as he pulled some of the worst kind of sins we could ever imagine, especially with him being who he was. The Bible says when it was time for king to be out to battle, David stayed home. And you know the story. If not, you can read about it. First and second Samuel. I believe it clearly spells it out, but he... he uh, he stumbled in a big way. But he knew how to repent. As soon as the prophet came to him and said, Thou art the man, David. You're the one that's in the wrong. You're the one that caused all the trouble. And David hit his knees and hit the, hit the altar where the the old tent was that they'd brought across the wilderness. And he found a place to pray and ask God forgiveness. Forgive me, oh God. You can read about it in Psalm 51 where he prayed that prayer and wrote it. And when we think of these ones, Mary Magdalene, when she first met Jesus, she had seven devils that controlled her life. You may be dealing with someone right now you think might have a few devils too. <laughs> well, you need, a, you need a prayer meeting just to deal with those kind of people, you know? Because they're unpredictable. Because the devil's unpredictable. Except that he does call turmoil everywhere he goes. But after she was delivered, she became a child of God, was in the upper room when they received the Holy Ghost, was at the cross, tending to Mary, the mother of Jesus, helping her. Some beautiful scriptures the Lord has. We who have sinned and come short of God's glory. Nobody can say, I'm, I'm Mr. Perfect. <laughs> Many might uh, never say that, but they seem to kind of think about it, about themselves. But most people got better sense than that, thank God. We all could use some help along the way. Can I get a witness? It's good to be honest with ourselves and stop excusing some really crass attitudes that we have picked up along the way. That uh, as long as everything's going hunky-dory, then they're fine. But if their boat starts rocking, they, uh, trouble, trouble's brewing, and they don't know how to handle it. Psalm 37, 18, the Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. The evil time is when judgment is being passed out for sins. 
unrepented of, uncared about. They don't want to make it right. They just want to keep on living the way they live. But those who have learned how to repent shall never be ashamed because they've repented already. Psalms 119.6, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. The more we know the word of God, the more we know about Jesus. Many people have made a decision about Jesus. They've never read his life story, his ministry story. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they've just come up with ideas of their own. Come on, you can't even get that, get that done in an algebra class. You've got to read about it. You've got to study about it because you're wanting to know what X means. I had the best teacher, intermediate algebra teacher in the world. His name was Mr. Crabtree. I was in Hoover High in San Diego, about the 11th grade. And he would throw a test at us just about every Friday. And if we all, if the whole class bummed out on the test, uh, he would take it unto himself, like, I must not have taught you very well last week, so we're going to go back over it this week, and we'll take another test. And he would cross out that old test and teach us how to do it, and we would come on board with some B's and A's instead of failing the test. What a great attitude for a teacher to have. I, I didn't get it across. I couldn't hardly believe my ears. The only teacher I ever had like that. I had college professors in San Diego State University who they would teach all three weeks long and throw you a test on what was in the book. And they hadn't even covered the book. I mean, it's the weirdest thing in the world. I had one teacher assigning me 1,000 pages of reading a week, like he's the only one in my world. <laughs> and uh, ignorant me, I, you know, those, those little books that tell you all about big books, <laughs> cliff notes and that kind of stuff. I wasn't too smart. They had just come out. I mean, we're talking about the late 60s, early 70s. You just come out on the market. Plus, they cost money. We were surviving. And anyway, I tried. I, I had the great job to try. I worked all night long at Naval Air Station North Island, calibrating, fixing, doing technician work on the instruments that the pilot reads in the F-4, the F-8, Huey helicopters. And I did that for about 10 years. And it's just an amazing thing when people get an understanding of God's ways. I shall not be ashamed when I have respect unto thy commandments. The more we know about God, the more we know what, what pleases him, what he wants us to do, what, how he wants us to live. He gave us life, and if we're wise, we will seek his wisdom. As we give ourselves to repentance and following the Lord Jesus, he cleanses us from our sins and mistakes of our past and helps us find a new way to react to the struggles of life. Isaiah 54, 4, fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth. Never forget where you were when Jesus found you. Just about everybody gets to make some dumb mistakes in their youth. Hopefully you missed out on all of that. And I missed out on a lot of it. Thank God. Hallelujah. Thank God for mom and dad. They didn't put up with a whole bunch of mess. 
I got my first speeding ticket coming home from seeing Linda Benson living up there in San Bernardino, but she had an uncle in El Cajon, so she was there for a week or so, and Mom had a 12 o'clock curfew on us. I was driving then, and uh, I waited until about, uh, you know, 10 till 12 to take off. <laughs> I needed 20 minutes. And I don't know how mom put that in a 16 or 17-year-old young man to be there at midnight. She said, I can't sleep if you're not in. You don't have to come in and wake me up and kiss me goodnight. Just let me hear the door shut behind you. And I tried to make it. And I, but that policeman stopped me and really made me late. <laughs> and speaking of speeding, June of last year, we went to California. What time is it? Time to keep on moving here, Elms. <laughs> to visit family, drove past the small town, Paris, California, where Sister Elms and I went by often because we'd go up and see her, her folks and her brothers and sisters that were up in the San Bernardino area, about a 100 miles trip. And, uh, but she was, uh, we'd been married a little over a year, and she was carrying our first child, beautiful little baby girl when she came. But she was about seven months along and uh, looking real healthy <laughs> with child. And uh, long, long March Air Force Base right off of 395 was, uh, was a long stretch stretch. And my brother-in-law said, you want to drive my new car? I said, yeah, sure. And so I got behind the wheel and took off. And wasn't long before I had, back then it was red lights blinking at me. I pulled over in that California highway patrol, pulled out his ticket book and began to write as he talked to me. He probably got me for 63 in a 55 mile zone. Where are they those days at? Those, they don't exist anymore, do they? You get on the interstate going 70, and they're passing you like they're going 90. You say, dear Lord. Finally, I decided I'm going to quit fussing at these guys and, and wanting to punch them out and that kind of stuff or put the brakes on real fast, um, all those uh, defensive moves we can do. I just move on over to the other lane as soon as I can. Some of them will get right on your bumper like they're in a NASCAR race and just stay right there until you're out of their way. And then if you don't get out of their way and while they go by, they start giving you hand signals. <laughs> I, had, I had my wife, my brother-in-law, his wife in the car. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything reckless, endangering their life, but he just kept on writing. And uh, before long, I received an invitation to see the judge in Paris, Paris California. And uh, at the time, I was delivering chemicals for Atlas Chemical Company and driving all over San Diego County up into L.A. And uh, I also found out that I was one ticket away from losing my license. And that would have been bad, because I'd have probably lost my job. So uh, when I got that appointment sent to be by bail, I looked at my wife. And I said, uh, honey, you need to come with me to see this judge. <laughs> I wanted her, him to have a good look at her seven months pregnant. And uh, she looked good, but uh, that baby was on its way. And I began to explain my dilemma, and he heard me. And he said, well, with the baby coming, I can see that, uh, you know, this fine may be troublesome for you. He says, I'll, I'll reduce it. Maybe I can do better than that. But, uh, and uh, I hadn't explained all of my dilemma to him yet. I said, but sir, 
there's something else. I've been informed I'm one ticket away from losing my license. And I'd probably lose my job if I lose my license. Oh, that really changes things, he said. I said, yes, sir. He said, you're going to slow down, aren't you, young man? Yes, your honor. Total respect. Can I bow a little lower? You know, verbally or body language. And he says, well, I'll tell you what. I've got a special file to put this ticket again where it will never be found. And I said, oh, the relief that came to me. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Yes, I will slow down. And I did. There's great joy in being forgiven. One of the greatest things, one of the greatest gifts that we have is the privilege of repenting. That means confessing our sin and forsaking our sin. Saying, God, I'm sorry I did that, I said that, I went there, I, and that's not who I want to be. It's not who I am. I want to be like you. Forgive me, Lord. I need your strength. Help me to be stronger Amen. to resist temptation. Philippians 3.13, brethren, I count not myself to have, to have apprehended this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. That mark is walking with Jesus, getting to know Jesus daily, walking in his presence Walking in his spirit, walking in his word, searching the word so I know what pleases him. That's what repentance brings to us. And oh, the joy when we humble ourselves. When we humble ourselves. The disciples were arguing one day about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. Jesus reached over and pulled a child to them and said, you got to be like a child. you got to become like a child who humbles himself. Children can have a little fuss over the toy, and a minute later they found something else, and they, they're buddies again. They're not looking for a fight. You hurt my feelings. You, you, you stole my toy. They're just asking. They just want to play. In, in just a few moments, they've forgotten all about it. And here we are, keeping our guard up, keeping our chips on our shoulder. Don't touch that. You know, our will, our way, instead of humbling ourselves, saying, God, I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need your understanding. There's a wonderful scripture in Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation. Do you hear what that said? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Hallelujah. Don't you ever forget where God found you. Psalms 103 expresses these sentiments in such a beautiful way. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like an angle. Hallelujah. 
One of the beautiful things about the Lord, I've served him since I received the Spirit. I, I repented when I was about five years old. My pastor's wife taught, a, we had a children's rally, and I went down and prayed, and she had told about Jesus dying on the cross. And I went and prayed. My little heart was broke over the story, and I knew he loved me. I felt his presence, but it was a little while longer when I began to seek for the Spirit of God. And God gave me his Spirit in February of 1955. You know, old age is just a number, so you might as well ignore it and just pray for a good quality of life or good enough to get around, you know, a little bit. Just stay thankful. Whatever, whatever's going on, we got to stay thankful. Can I get a witness? But after these many years, over 60 years, since he filled me with his spirit, you'll find that story in Acts chapter 2. It's where the church started, that the Holy Spirit was first poured out upon the followers of Jesus Christ. And it was the Lord's last commandment to them. You stay in Jerusalem until you're filled with my spirit, he said. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you discouraged. I will come to you. My spirit will fill your spirit with life. Hallelujah. And never one time in all, all of those over 60 years have I went to the Lord and said, God, I... I didn't handle that last situation right, and I'm sorry. Lord, I need help with my temper. Sometimes it gets a little beyond me, and I don't handle it right. And uh, I know you heard me slam that door last yesterday. No matter what she said to me, I shouldn't have slammed the door. Sorry, babe. <laughs> Brother Pugh used to say, me and Bessie have had some loud discussions. <laughs> and uh, because someday if we don't, if we don't control, you know, you don't wait till your kids are seven, five, six, seven, and eight to teach them to obey you. And you don't just wait till you're out at a restaurant to demand things of them. You, you pick up these toys now. We're all getting ready to go to bed. We don't want to walk in here and stumble over them. Get them in, back in that box, your toy box. Put it in the closet. Little things. You train them. And you don't take any back talk. You're not hard on them. You just love them. You, it's a wonderful day when I learned you could just pop them one good one and pat them few times to pop another good one. <laughs> I wanted some tears of repentance, please. But I wasn't, I wasn't pounding it on them. I wasn't beating them. I just gave them a little sting, you know. And uh, the kids, I'm sure, was glad when I learned that, too. But... Uh, <laughs> We're all for loving kids, treating them gently, even when they're being disciplined. For as the heavens are high above the earth, as our musicians come, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Thank God his mercies are brand new every day. Every day. New mercies on those who fear him. That's, uh, those are the ones that get. That fear is, is awesome respect. It's not being scared of. It's an awesome respect for his kindness and love. And his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant to those who remember his commandment to do them. 
Bless the Lord, oh my soul, forget not all his benefits. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We will not walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The Thomas declared, I will remember the works of the Lord. The art of forgetting is very important. But there's a finer art in remembering the things that need to be remembered. I will remember the works of the Lord. Let's make sure our children know of the great times we've been healed in our body of sickness. For the great times our minds have been healed from stress and pressure almost beyond our ability to handle. They need to know of some of the trials we go through. We don't have to keep it all from the kids, but they also see us praying in our, by our couch in the living room, and back in the backyard, some, wherever you can pray. They see that, they know that, and they learn to trust your God because he's the one that's brought you through. So I'm going to remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. All the examples in the Bible. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Let's just start talking about Jesus everywhere we go. Let's tell someone about Jesus. How he's always been there for us. How he helps us to humble ourselves. There's no chorus I want us to sing in closing as we stand this morning. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin have left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Some have asked the question, what color is sin? Well, the Bible tells us, though your sins be as scarlet, some color of a red, but this old songwriter got it right when he declared, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. I wonder who will join me down near this altar. Some are already here. Who will come and join me today? Let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. You say, well, I, I don't pray a whole lot, Pastor. But uh, do you pray a little bit? Do you call on him when you're, you're about to have a wreck? Oh, God, help me. Do you do that much? Come on, the Lord loves the sound of your voice. Come up and join us, all that will. Would you come on up? Let's have some family prayer here today as we humble ourselves. Join with me for a cleansing this morning, for the week ahead, a renewing of his mercy in our life. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Forgive my sin, Lord. Cleanse me. Wash me. Help me to be who you want me to be. If you will pray, God will listen. If you will seek the Lord, you will find him. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. He just waits for us to come close to him. You can come stand, come kneel, whatever you're comfortable with. This is, this is a time we're going to seek the Lord. Call upon his holy name. Come and join me at this altar today. Lord is in this house. He wants to do a work in my life, in your life. He wants to bring us to a place of love and peace. He wants to take those terrors of our nights. He wants to take us, those memories of past mistakes, those regrets. He wants to wash them out of our consciousness. He wants us to learn how to forget them. Quit talking about them. 
Quit thinking about them. Lay them down. And to feel that mercy of God, it will flow as we humble ourselves to God. Oh, hallelujah. Sin hath left a crimson the presence of the Lord here. Feel the presence of the Lord here. Let's reach out him. Reach out to him. Lord, give me peace in my heart. Give me peace in my heart. Take the pain out of my soul, Lord. Oh, Jesus, take the regrets out of my life. I repent, oh God. I know I made some of those mistakes. Oh, God, I didn't realize what I was doing. I'm sorry. That's not who I want to be. That's not who I'm going to be. Change me into your likeness, oh, Lord. Forgive my sin, Jesus. Wash me. Show me your way. Oh, God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I feel his mercy flowing in this house today. Feel his mercy flowing in this house today. You don't know how much Jesus Christ loves you. He stayed on that cross for you, and he did it for me. I needed him to stay on the cross. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. He could have jumped down off that cross and went to war, but he didn't. He was the only perfect sacrifice in all of history that could pay the price for our sins. But he did it because he loves you. All he wants to do is bless you, strengthen you, give you peace. Uh, that you feel the joy of forgiveness. That you feel the joy of mercy flowing over your whole life. He'll wash it away. He'll cleanse your heart. He'll cleanse your mind. He'll give you peace. Confess your sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive you. Oh, I've, I've repented every day of my life for as long as I can remember. And every time he's forgiven me, every time he's heard my prayer, Every time he's listened, every time he's come to me and strengthened me to overcome, to overcome my flesh, my temper, my anger, my anxiety, my worrisome nature, my critical attitude. Oh, he's helped me. Hallelujah. He teaches us how to love everybody. Maybe not what they're doing, not what they're acting, not what they're saying, not who they've allowed themselves to become as a person, but we can love them as a creation of God, someone that he died for. We can love them for what they could become. They would turn their life over to Jesus. Oh, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for mercy flowing in this house. Help us to take advantage of your mercy every day of our life, Lord. Every day of our life, Lord. Let's take a moment and evaluate. See what we need to seek cleansing for. Make fresh commitments to do it right next time. Maintain a good attitude next time. To judge my words next time better. To be careful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this house. Thank you for your presence in this house. Why don't we take a moment and minister one to each other, husband and wife together. Just reach over and 
Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.